Welcome back to Bible Time, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22. We're coming down the final stretch in our study of 1 Thessalonians, and here in verse 22 it says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. The title of the message today is, Run Away! And if I don't tell you why and forget to tell you the story involved with that, um, you'll just have to remind me to tell you why we're calling it Run Away. There is a story that goes with that. So 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us to not only understand, but to obey. You said, blessed are they that hear my words and do them. And I pray, Lord God, that we would not be hearers only, but doers of the word. Help us, Lord, to make this so much part of our life that it becomes our natural reaction. And Lord, that we don't have to think about it. Lord, so often if we have to think about it, it's too late. Lord, help us to react the way Christ would have us to react to the situations that come up in our life. In Jesus' name and for Christ's sake, amen. Now let's look at these words here in this verse just real quickly and get a good idea of what they they basically mean. To abstain means to stay away from something, to say no to something. If I was to tell you that I was abstaining from sugar, then you would know that I was not eating any sugar. If I said I was abstaining from caffeine, then that would mean that if somebody served a caffeinated soda drink or a cup of coffee with caffeine in it, that I would politely refuse and say, no, thank you, I'm not going to take part in it. To abstain is to stay away from, to say no to, to avoid, to go the other way. To abstain from something means to deny yourself what you are wanting or what others are wanting you to have. To abstain is to stay away from something. Now it says, the second part here, abstain from all. So it doesn't tell us to abstain from some things. It doesn't tell us to abstain from part of evil or most of evil. The Bible does not tell you to abstain from some things that are really genuinely evil. You can indulge in things that hint at evil, but not things that are genuinely evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says abstain from all appearances of evil. I had a man tell me the other, just the other day um, that whenever he was uh, growing up, he went to church and then he got out of it. And as an older adult, he went back to the church house and he started going through the classes again at that particular denomination church. And as he was going through the classes, they made excuses for certain sins that when he was a kid, those things were considered um, very offensive sins that would offend God. And he said, wait a second, how come this sin um, was a sin when I was a boy, but it's not a sin today? And he said, the preacher told him, he said, well, you see, this is how it works. There's things in the Bible, there's, and I'm not sure where the T came from. This guy didn't explain it, but he said there's big T's and there's little T's. And so he's explaining that there's big sins and there's little sins. And that the little sins, they really don't bother God so much. But the big sins, those are the ones you got to watch out for. And this lost sinner said he looked at his preacher and he said, it sounds to me like you are offending too many people telling them the truth. And so you quit telling them the truth to fill your pews back up. And the preacher said, well, that's not a good way to look at it. And the man said, well, when religion becomes a business and more about pleasing people than God, I'm out. And he left. Well, praise the Lord that he left, but he's lost and he needs to find Jesus. He needs to find the true gospel. He needs to find find salvation through Christ. That denomination that he was going to does not teach salvation by faith through grace. They teach salvation through baptism and confirmation. 
<clears throat> if I understood the denomination right, or which denomination he was actually talking about. So here, this man was offended by the fact that this religious preacher, so-called, was making excuses for certain kinds of sins, and rightfully so. There's this whole thing where my sin is okay, but your sin is bad. Your sin stinks. My sin is just a shortcoming. This is common in denominations. This is common in religion all over the world. This is common in fake Christianity. This is common everywhere. There's a movement that has been going for um, several decades, perhaps even a century, and this movement teaches that Christians once they are saved, can become sanctified to the point of sinless perfection. The catch to the whole thing is that they've redefined what sins are. I was talking to one of these men, and it was of the Nazarene persuasion. Love them, but in this case, this man representing his group, I'll just tell you what he said, and maybe he misrepresented the group, but this is what he said. He said that he was sanctified and sinless. I said, have you ever, do you ever struggle with anger? He says, oh, well, 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 yeah, everybody struggles with anger. I said, well, isn't that a sin? And he says, well, no, the anger is a shortcoming. And so what they do is they redefine things so that sin is no longer sin so that they can appear religiously superior to other people. The Bible says here, abstain from all appearance of evil. That means that you don't get to go through and pick and choose what you think is evil. It means all of it. Anything that God says is evil, you are to abstain from even the appearance of it. That's our third part of breaking down this verse to look at the meanings of these words. And appearance means that... <coughs> Excuse me. Appearance means that which gives the impression of something. An appearance doesn't have to be the actual thing. It can actually just give the appearance of the thing. So, for example, if you are giving a appearance of doing something wicked, then you are giving the impression. If a preacher, for example, goes over to a church member's house, the husband is at work, working the night shift, and the preacher shows up at 7 a.m. and leaves around 11 p.m., or shows up at 7 p.m. and leaves at 11 p.m., all the neighbors are going to be wondering. They saw the preacher show up by himself. They know mister's gone at work. He has been since 5 o'clock. Now here rolls in the preacher and he stays there till 11 o'clock at night and he goes home. What's going on here? And the whole neighborhood starts buzzing and talking. What's the preacher doing? What's she doing? Now, in the unlikely event that those people were more holy than normal people, nothing was going on. And maybe they were doing something that was perfectly upright if you actually got to analyze the exact details of what they did. But the way that they did what they did, even if they kept their hands to themselves, their eyes to themselves, and their, and their um, voices to themselves, and didn't even say anything inappropriate, just the way that they behaved allowed reproach to be cast on the name of Christ, because their behavior gave an appearance of evil. The Bible um, is very strong about this appearance of evil. It says, abstain from all appearance of evil. The Bible says, let fornication not once be named among you, not to be named among you, not even to be named. You should live in such a way that you are above reproach. Now, there are times that people can throw false accusations and there's nothing that you can do about some false accusations, no matter how upright you live. But if you are following the Bible, following God, and abstaining from all appearance of evil, then you will live in a way that people cannot accuse you and have anything that they can actually bring up as evidence against you. 
Now, I know there's traps people set for other people. There's situations people get in, and there's things that happen, and I understand that, and that's why we're the title of this message is Run Away. We'll get to that here in a second. If you want to clear yourself whenever you get in one of those situations, that's what it's going to take. Don't let me forget to tell you that story before this whole Bible time is over. It's a story about a man from Holland, a preacher boy from Holland. Remind me of that story. (coughs) Now, evil here, the last part of this verse, as we look at just the general sense of the words here, before we get into some applications from the Word of God, the word evil, it can mean sin, wickedness, or tragic occurrence. Evil can be a train wreck where five people die. You say, well, train wrecks are not against God's law. That's that's a tragic occurrence. That's true. But God uses the word evil all through the Bible, not only for sin, but it may mean tragic occurrence. God said in the Old Testament, I create light and darkness. I, I said, I form the light and create darkness. And he says that he creates evil. And what he's talking about is bringing judgments and destruction on man. The Bible says that God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So to impute unrighteousness to God and claim that God is the author of wickedness and sin is breaks other clear doctrinal place texts in the scripture. Anybody that tries to say that God makes people sin is a liar. He is of his father, the devil. And if you take that verse without proper understanding, then you may think that that's what the Bible's saying. But if you rightly divide the word of truth and compare scripture with scripture, you quickly find that evil in the Bible might mean a little boy died. It might mean a young lady died. It might mean that a house fell down. It might mean that an enemy army invaded the land. These things are called evil in the Bible, as well as acts of overt wickedness that, by the way, result in evil. Evil is more of the consequence for sin than it is the sin itself in a a general sense, but it's tied to sin and it's linked to sin. Why does the consequence for sin come? Because of sin. So when God creates evil, he creates evil because of sin. When God overflowed the world with water, he did it because of sin. So even in its most innocent sense, the word evil is directly linked to sin as a reaction to or consequence of sin, something that falls because of sin. You say, well, what about that little boy that died? He wasn't even old enough to sin. No, but his daddy sinned, his mommy sinned, everybody else in the world has sinned, and the curse has come on the world because of Adam. The Bible says Adam sinned and death passed upon all men. Adam sinned and death evil passed upon all men. And then it says for that all have sinned. So man's sin perpetuates evil. Man's sin continues and maintains the constant stream of evil in this world. Here in our text, abstain from all appearance of evil. What it's talking about is to stay away from everything remotely related to sin. Stay out of even the fringe areas. Stay out of the wickedness. Stay away from things that can give the the impression of being involved in sinful activities. Now let's look at some applications here from the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 7. <coughs> he says here, go from the presence of, an, of a foolish man. 
Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him lips of knowledge. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. I wonder what just obedience to that one command would do to the American church who is sending all of its children off to colleges all over the place where blasphemers are teaching their children. If God said, go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge, how can you sit under him in a lecture hall to get a degree? Cricket, cricket, chirp, chirp. I didn't ever think of that. Some of you saying, you're taking this too far. That's Old Testament. Did you know that Peter quoted the Old Testament and he quoted Proverbs? We'll get to that in just a little bit. Some people think Proverbs are good suggestions for better living. Not at all. The Proverbs are part of the inspired word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for exhortation in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Proverbs is profitable for doctrine. He says, go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Get away from him. Why would God say that? When you stand there talking to the foolish man, sitting under the foolish man, then you're association with the foolish man is publicly understood that you are also foolish. It tarnishes your reputation. It tarnishes how people see you and think of you. When they hear the foolish man speaking and see you standing there talking to him and listening to him, then you are lumped in with that foolish speech. Proverbs chapter 7, and let's look at this in a different application of morality. In chapter 7 and verse 25, Let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths, for she hath cast down many wounded. This is talking about the wicked woman, the strange woman of verse 5 of chapter 7, the stranger which flattereth with her words. And it says, let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. Don't even let your heart go that direction. Don't even let your meditations and your mindset and your thoughts begin to rest on the wicked woman, on the strange woman. Stay away from her. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Proverbs chapter 7. 7 verse 6 for at the window of my house I looked through my casement let's look at this man who did not abstain from evil here's your example and beheld among the simple ones I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding empty of understanding he did not know what was going on he's just floating through life verse 8 passing through the street near her corner and he went the way to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black and dark night and behold there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart so his first mistake he's walking out here at the twilight in the evening when he ought to be home, he ought to be doing something else. Now, maybe that's an honest mistake. Remember the story about the Holland preacher. We'll get to it later. Don't let me forget. So here, this young man in Proverbs chapter 7, here he's walking down the street at twilight in the evening. This could happen. This could be an accident. This could happen accidentally. And here he is going the way to her house, passing the street near her corner. Maybe he doesn't know who lives there. Maybe he doesn't know anything about it. That's why the Proverbs say he is lacking understanding. He's void of understanding. He missed the memo. Here he is, and it says, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot 
Charlotte and subtle of heart. His first mistake was that he let his his feet go down by her house. His next mistake, his second, was that he let his feet go down by her house in the twilight and the black and dark night. His third mistake that he made, made was that he met this woman in the street, in the twilight, in the black and dark night, dressed like a harlot, and he stuck around and talked to her. It said she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without now in the streets and lieth in wait at every corner. Now, what should he have done when he met her? Run away. That's the title of the message today. Run away. I want you to get that in your heart. Get that in your heart whenever it comes to the appearance of evil. Run away. It says, so she caught him and kissed him. And what should he have done then? Run away. But he didn't run away. You see, one thing leads to the next thing. One thing leads to the next thing. And here, even if he had innocently gone down the street to her corner, his wicked heart is exposed by what he does when the moment of opportunity to sin comes upon him. And it will expose you too. God will allow you to be exposed, by the way. God will allow you to get into situations that prove you and try you and test you to show what you're made out of. You might be doing everything right, and one day you don't know it, you'll wake up, and God has allowed the devil that day permission to tempt you in a special way. Because God is going to show you and manifest to you the thoughts and intents of your heart. And God allows his people to go through temptation, to go through trial. You say God tempts no man. God does not tempt any man, but God may allow a man to be tempted. So, here in chapter 6, she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face, said unto him, I have peace offerings with me this day, have I paid my vows. He's standing there listening to her. He's standing there shocked. Maybe he's standing there riveted in place. He just got kissed by a strange woman. It took his breath away. His heart's beating fast. He's half scared. He's half excited. And he's a whole lot curious. That's uncomfortable to talk about, isn't it? Because we think nobody sees what we're like inside and nobody knows what we're thinking. The harlot knows. The harlot understands what's going on in the man's heart. Now that's a little embarrassing that he's kind of excited about that. He should do what? The title of the message, run away. But instead of running away, he's standing there. He's listening to her. He's giving her a hearing. He's letting her touch him. Why? Because deep down inside, he really wants it. And God is exposing this young man that he has no understanding. Verse 15, Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. If he didn't know he was supposed to run by then, now she's talking about the bed. It's time to run. He's already missed several opportunities to run, and now he's going to miss this one too. And now she gets even more brazen. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves, for the good man is not at home. The fact that he's still listening is proof that he's already yielded. He's already given in. He's already letting her do what she wants to do. For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will 
come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Now, by the way, that's exactly what he wanted. I remember a young lady um, from the church that I was going to that was um, very much in love with the world, very desperate for the world to come along. I can think of several. I can think of two of them. One uh, um, in particular, this one young lady, I remember my wife and I left church. We were driving down the road and all of a sudden we passed someone on the road and there she went walking down the road. And she was wearing a white tight t-shirt and she was wearing tight jeans and she was carrying the clothes that she had been wearing over the top of that stuff when she left her house. And she got out of the house and started walking down the street. Once she got out of sight of the house, she kind of started peeling layers off and she was all dolled up and she'd foofed up her hair and she's walking down the street with this look on her face like, will Prince Charming please arrive? I'm ready. And my wife and I looked at each other and said, this is not good. And it wasn't. It was only a year later that she was pregnant out of wedlock. She got what she was looking for. Now, she wasn't walking around saying, I want to rebel. I want to do wickedness. I want to do sin. She wasn't going around and and trying to act like a hooker in front of people. She was maintaining a basic appearance of decency as much as she could, but she was embracing an appearance of evil. And she was doing it because deep down in her heart, she really wanted the evil and she got it. And she got the consequences that come with it. Listen to me. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Another young lady, she was doing the same type of thing. And I left the church one day and we were driving through town. I saw a bunch of rowdy young people cutting up at one of the ice cream places. And I said, good night. That's a bunch of sin. There's no way anything good is happening there. And there was... Uh, immodesty. There was all this stuff happening. I was like, man, I told my wife, there's nothing good happening there. Boy. And I, and then I can't remember what I said next. Do you remember, honey? Yeah, I think I said, I'm glad that ain't the kids from our church. As I said that one of them turned their heads and it was one of the kids from our church. This is a church. It's not the church that I attend now. It was a different church. I had gone past the driveway. I was sick to my stomach. I didn't want to meddle. I didn't want to get involved, but I couldn't do nothing. And I turned around, wheeled that thing around, pulled back in the driveway. They scattered like roaches when the light comes on, when they saw me get out of the vehicle. I was the last person they wanted to see. Suddenly they were sitting modestly and neatly in their little rows in the ice cream shop, eating their ice cream. But one of those young ladies didn't have a chance to escape. She was sitting up on top of the cab of a pickup truck. She had taken off the skirt that she had and had a little bitty thing on and was showing her legs off to everybody that passed by. Some of you say, you shouldn't talk like this. Well, I'm sorry, but it's reality. She'd waited till she got out of sight of her parents. She waited till she got out of sight of the people that would say anything about it. And she was sitting up there with a wicked young man who had come there to flirt with her. And they were sitting up there on the back of the truck together, goofing off. And I confronted her and I said, what are you doing? And she said, I don't know. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I don't know. 
And I said, I do know what you're doing. Do you know what you're doing? And she said, I don't know. I said, well, I do. Allow me to tell you. You haven't got the guts and the backbone to sin like a real sinner, but you love the world and you love the sin and you love the wickedness. So you're playing a game at church and pretending like you love God. And as soon as you get a chance, you're flirting with the world and you're just sitting here waiting on somebody wicked enough to come and make you do what you don't have the guts to go out and do. You don't have the guts to be a real sinner, so you're out here flaunting yourself, trying to seduce somebody into causing you to sin so that you can blame them for it and maintain your self-righteousness. She did not receive that instruction. She ran away from home and ended up living with the man. I do not know how she's doing today. I hope she has repented and turned back to the Lord. (coughs) Maybe she got guts to do what she was wanting to do all along. Some people tell me I shouldn't talk that way either. God will judge. It's a heavy thing. The Bible says avoid all appearance of evil. In our day, appearance of evil is accepted as normal Christianity. You can look like the world, smell like the world, talk like the world, drink like the world, act like the world, love the world, as long as you show up at church on Sunday with at least a minimal amount of cultural decency and sobriety and make it through the church service and put money in the offering plate. But God says, avoid all appearance of evil. Proverbs chapter 5. Well, let's finish 7 real quick. Let's look at verse 21. Um, Here it says, or verse 22, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasted to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. You say, you seem to know a lot about this subject. How come? Well, because I was also one of these types of Christians at one point in my life. And apart from the grace of God, I would be as well. You see, I thought as long as I could make it accidental, as long as I could act like I stumbled into sin instead of just went out and did sin, I could make the excuse that I made a mistake. I fell. Oops, I didn't. I had an accident. Oops, I shouldn't have done that. Oops, I didn't. I wasn't really wanting to see that, but you really weren't wanting not to see it, were you? You really weren't trying to avoid it, were you? Instead, you're walking by the street near her corner hoping to get a glimpse of the harlot because of the deep curiosity for sin that's burning in your heart. I'm guilty too. And I would venture to say that every human being is guilty in this way because what that describes is the sin nature. Whether it's in a different area of sin or the same area of sin, it's very possible and it's very normal for Christians to behave in this way. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 8 says here, Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. Do you hear me today? Remove thy way far from her and come not near the door of her house. Stay a long way away from sin. 
If you get near sin for the cause of Christ, you better do it in a way that keeps you above reproach and where you can avoid all appearance of evil. A man says, I'm a single man and I'm going to go down to Brooklyn up there and I'm going to go down into one of the big cities down there and I'm going to start a ministry to harlots. I'm going to start a home for harlots coming off the street. I say to that man, you are foolish if you are doing that. You need somebody else to do that ministry. Go back to God and ask him what he really wants you to do. Listen, avoid all appearance of evil. There are jobs for some people that are not jobs for everybody. By the way, pastor, it's not your job to counsel the deacon's wife. Amen. There's some things that ain't your job. Avoid all appearance of evil. Listen, the devil is wily. The devil will come up to you and he'll say, listen, that person really needs the gospel over there. And it might not be the Holy Spirit telling you that it might be the devil. You better be ready with your Bible. You better be prayed up. You better have your scripture ready. You better have your armor on whenever you enter into the labor of the Lord, because not everything that looks right is right. Avoid all appearance of evil and the devil will attempt to ensnare you and get you in situations that you can be spoken evil of so that he can rob Christ of glory and cause reproach to the name of Christ. I was just telling, uh, listen, this is a different kind of Bible time, but we're in and we're going to keep going. We're just going to dive the rest of the way in. I was talking to a pastor who told me about how a family called him and begged him for help. Their runaway daughter had been seen at a fair and he went to help that family and they got up to the fair and the family was emotional and he was sitting there trying to just mind his own business and be a help if he was asked to. And they basically, the family got in where they're shouting back and forth and people at the fair didn't like it and they called the police and in the midst of all of the, all of the stress, the mother made a motion, acted like she was hitting a a police officer even though she didn't hit him and the police officer was mad and the devil was involved and so he indicted everyone in that group for um, assault of an officer and so guess what the newspaper picked up and they took a pastor who is sitting on a bench with his hands folded asking questions whenever he was being whenever they asked him and put charges of assaulting an officer against him then the newspaper took it and printed it, and then the people in his hometown heard about it, some of them, and they drove up there and bought hundreds of copies and circulated the newspaper through the whole area. Sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes you're going to be falsely accused. Sometimes there's no way to escape the situation, but I'm telling you, avoid all appearance of evil. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. There's a time to stand there and there's a time to run away, which is the name of the message today. There's a time to run away. Let's go to Daniel chapter one and let's look at this application a little differently than what we've looked at it even so far. We've looked at it with foolish men. We've looked at it with wicked women. Now let's look at it with simple old food. Daniel chapter one. And verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now here, Daniel had been taken from his home. They had made him a eunuch. That means that they had taken instruments and done surgery on his body so that he could not have children. 
against his will. They had cut his body. They had hurt his body. He was far from home. He had every reason to feel injured. And now he's got a job at the, at the palace. And it, it made perfect sense to just eat the food they gave him. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. There's many reasons for this. Some people say, well, it was all pork. I'll guarantee you he had a lot more available than pork. If he'd wanted to, he probably could have picked through and found some chicken and found some goat. He could have found some wild deer. He could have found clean animals to to eat. Wine is in the list, too, that he didn't want to defile himself with. So what was, what was it, what was really going on? The Bible says to eat not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. The Bible says to put a knife to your throat when you eat with a ruler. The Bible talks about how that whenever you're eating with a ruler, especially, and when you're taking gifts from people, it perverts your judgment. And Daniel did not want his heart to be drawn to the world and the system of the world. He did not want to be tempted to compromise. It goes a lot deeper than whether or not there was pork on the table. Although that was a consideration, it goes a lot deeper than that. And here Daniel requested that he might not defile himself. And what did he do here? He requested it in a way that gave the prince of the eunuchs the opportunity to fulfill his job. He didn't stand up high and mighty. Listen, this abstaining from all appearance of evil doesn't mean you stick your nose up in the air and walk by with your hand up and holding a cross up in the air like you're some kind of holier than thou holy roller. Daniel went to that guy and he said, listen, can we please have pulse 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 ground up vegetables pulse he said just give us pulse to eat and the prince of the eunuch says no way you're gonna look you're gonna look skinny and emaciated and the king's gonna be angry with me but he said, oh, Daniel said, prove us 10 days. So he did. And verse 15, at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. And look at the wonderful blessing that came in verse 16. Look at what they got for obeying God and, appear, and avoiding all appearance of evil. Verse 16, thus Milzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So because they obey God, they got to live on it. Nothing but ground up vegetables and water. Boy, that stinks, doesn't it? And that brings us to a very important observation. Abstaining from all appearance of evil does not make your life easier. See, we have this fairy tale Christianity today where if you follow Jesus, everything just happens right. And your bread just automatically multiplies to feed the thousands and your fish just automatically multiplies. And every time you catch a fish, there's a gold coin in it and you can't get sick. And when the storms come, they'll just all go peace, be still and go flat in front of you. And you'll walk on the water and you'll cast the mountains into the sea and the devils will flee when you walk in the room. And that's not how Christianity operates on a daily basis. The raw reality of Christianity is that it is a daily grind. It's a daily ground up vegetables and water kind of existence for a true follower of Christ most of the time. The Bible says, yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And there's no exception there for Americans or Englishmen or Russians or any other group or culture on the world. If you're not being persecuted on any level, you're not living godly, period. 
Now, um, we've studied that before. We've got to move on. So abstaining from all appearance of evil is going to bring ridicule into your life. It is going to bring reproach into your life. It is going to bring loneliness into your life. When that cute boy that you've been looking at that's been looking back at you and you think he's so cute and you think he thinks that you're cute and you giggle when he looks at you and it makes you feel all tingly inside and butterflies going up and down your back and you're just shivering all over and then you start getting all too warm and the blood comes up to your face and you're turning bright red and he walks over to talk to you and he tries to do something inappropriate. You have a choice. Am I going to abstain from all appearance of evil or am I going to fudge a little bit to get some more of these funny feelings that make me so happy? If you choose to follow Christ and abstain from all appearance of evil, that boy might walk away for the last time. The, the tickly feelings might go away. The red feeling might get worse when you see him doing with another girl what you saw that he wanted to do with you. And she's having a fun time and you're not. It'll come with loneliness. Abstaining from all appearance of evil will leave you on the outside looking in. It'll leave you in the corner. It'll leave you as the one that nobody wants to go with. Nobody wants to walk with more than once in your life. Abstaining from all appearance of evil is going to cost you because other people don't do that. Even Christians, quote unquote, do not abstain from all appearance of evil. And that means that if you do, you might be lonely. It means you'll be bored because everybody else is doing something. They're all having fun. All your friends are having fun. They could be having fun doing something godly, but instead they pulled out that board game that has stuff in it that God calls wickedness and abomination. And it's just a couple places. It's just on a couple cards. It's just in a few things over here. And you can avoid it. But you say, no, I've got to abstain from all appearance of evil. And now you're sitting in the corner reading your Bible, not feeling super holy and not feeling super loved and not feeling super awesome. Well, all your friends are over there laughing and having a good time playing a board game that really isn't that bad. And what are you doing? You're sitting there because you abstained from all appearance of evil. Abstaining from all appearance of evil makes you look like an old fuddy-duddy. It makes you look like a wet rag at the party. You probably not even get invited back to the next party. Now, some of you Christians out there that have lived long enough with the Lord that know that it's worth it, you're shouting amen and hallelujah. But for those of those young ones, especially that have not yet experienced the fullness of the joy of God's presence and haven't enjoyed the spirit of glory and of God that rests upon them when they've been persecuted, it looks pretty bad to be on the outside looking in, shunned by everybody that you loved because you didn't go along with their little junk. It'll leave you frustrated. It'll mean friends stop talking to you. It means friends stop hanging out with you. It will mean that you are not friends anymore with certain people. Because you're abstaining from the things that they're enjoying and they get offended when you do it. And so they stop talking to you and stop inviting you. Did you have you ever noticed some of you that have lived long enough? Have you ever noticed if you you can do something fun and wholesome and godly with uh, with your friends? You can do some fun, wholesome, godly things with your friends and you can have a thousand hours accumulated of good, wholesome, godly enjoyment with a friend. But whenever you won't spend one hour doing something that is the appearance of evil with them, they will 
often cut you off and it's over and the thousand hours accumulated of good, wholesome, godly fun are thrown in the trash can and they want nothing to do with you. Why? What's that? Because you condemn them by doing what's right and they don't like that. And by the way, that's when you find out whether or not they're really your friends. Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And if you abstain from all appearance of of evil, he's probably going to be the only friend you've got more than once in your life. Daniel abstained from the king's meat and the portion of the wine. How many other Jews and Israelites didn't? Well, as we know, four of them abstained. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the names, their names um, given to them by the Babylonians. That was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Daniel. They abstained. Everybody else dove right in. And there were a lot of Jews that were brought up, thousands of Jews that were brought up in captivity. And how many of those thousands were taken in to be to the prince of the eunuchs and made servants in the palace? I don't know. Were there 10? Were there 100? Were there 500 or 1,000? I don't know. But what we do know is that four men abstained from all appearance of evil, and God honored them. Look at what happened next there in the book of Daniel chapter 1. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. You say, that doesn't sound fun. It's not, but it's good. Good isn't always fun, and fun isn't always good. You got to figure both of those things out to make it in life. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So Daniel advanced in the kingdom of heaven. Daniel became more useful for God. Daniel had the presence of the Almighty. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. And Daniel leaned on and learned to love fellowship with God. You find that out later. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? What is he doing? Three times daily praying to God. Not, not, listen, he didn't have a rosary. He wasn't counting beads. He was communing with the Almighty. And he would not give it up, though it would cost him his life. He gave up the meat, and he gave up the wine, and he got God. And later, he wouldn't give up God to keep his own life. He'd rather have fellowship with God and die. All of the world's goods that the world offers you are all cheap knockoffs. When the Bible says here to abstain from all appearance of evil, all means all. That means if there's a movie that has an appearance of evil in it, you are to abstain. You say, oh, well, I skipped that part. How do you know it's there? How do you know it's there to skip it? How do you know when to skip it? One of the biggest stumbling blocks to the American church in the last four decades has been the concept that parents are for some dumb reason supposed to preview movies for their children and sift through the trash of the world before they let their children wash the trash. Listen, if it's got trash in it, throw it out. Don't let it in your home. Abstain from all appearance of evil. If you've got to skip part of that movie, get it out of your house. You say, well, I don't have to skip it. It doesn't affect me. You need a different talk from a different day, a different little talk, right? You need a different message preached from a different day. And if it doesn't affect you, if sin doesn't affect you, you might not even be saved. Either that or else you're so far backslid, you're about to be in for the biggest whooping you ever got in the, in your, in the world. 
You cannot have fellowship with God and fellowship with devils. TV. You turn on that TV. If there's so much as an appearance of evil, what in the name of the Lord are you doing watching it? You say, well, I love football. What about those half-naked women that dance on the screen? Well, I don't really look at those. Avoid all, abstain from all appearance of evil. Just do it. You say, that's strict. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to be a legalist? You're trying to put me under bondage? You haven't seen nothing yet. No, I'm not. I'm trying to give you the law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty that comes from abstaining from all appearance of evil, and you ain't seen nothing yet. What about your video games that you've got? You got cursing, you got swearing, you got nakedness. What about those board games you got? You got a bunch of witchcraft on your TV. You got witchcraft in your movies. It's evil. It's wickedness. What are you doing with it in your home? You say, you're an old fuddy-duddy. That's exactly what I just told you you would say. I know that. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. And I would rather bear the reproach with Christ than enjoy the riches of Egypt and all of the curses and plagues that come with it. What about the books you read? Oh, I only read good books. They're old books. Are they full of illegitimate romances? Are they full of cursing? Are they full of flirtation? Are they full of a bunch of fluffy junk? What about the clothing that you wear? Abstain from all appearance of evil. How about your hair? How do you do your hair? You say, you are a legalist. No, I'm not. I'm just asking you, does it appear evil? Are you giving off an appearance of evil? You say, oh, well, it's just a t-shirt. Yeah, it has a liquor advertisement on it, but it's just a t-shirt. And I like the store that gave it to me. Avoid, abstain from all appearance of evil. What about the friends you hang out with? I had a a lady show up at my house one day to buy something that we had for sale, and she showed up with purple hair. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that purple hair lady, I'm going to give her the gospel. By God's grace, I'm going to give everybody the gospel that I can possibly give the gospel um, if the Lord be in my help, and I don't measure up to that, by the way. But by God's grace, I want to, and I want to be right with God enough to do that. So I went to try and give her the gospel. And you know how she reacted to, to that gospel presentation? When I gave her the gospel, she looked at me and she said, she said, well, I, I'm a Christian, I believe. And I pushed further just asking questions. When, did you, when were you saved? Asking all these questions. I do that, by the way, with most people that I talk to because most people say they're saved. And you need to get past that and get down to how were you saved? When were you saved? Where were you saved? What's the evidence of your salvation? And if you don't do that, by the way, you'll just think everybody's a good person and everybody's saved and on their way to heaven. But once you start asking questions, you find out that most people are lost and on their way to hell and they're trusting in anything but the blood of Christ or anything in addition to the blood of Christ. And so as I asked these questions, like I always did to people all the time, all over the place, asking the same questions I ask a long-haired drunk with a bottle of whiskey in his hand, asking the same kind of questions I'll ask a philosopher, asking the same kinds of questions that I'll ask a street punk on the street or a sodomite at the skate park or whoever else I'm talking to, and I ask questions, how do you know you're saved? What are you basing that on? What evidence do you have? Asking these questions she says it's the hair isn't it it's my purple hair isn't it that's why you're asking me these questions that's why you don't really believe that I'm saved whenever I told you that I'm saved and I looked her straight in the eye and I said lady I asked these questions I said as nicely as I could I said ma'am 
Pretty sure I said, ma'am, not lady. I said, ma'am, I ask these questions to everybody that I can talk to because our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know them? I said, your hair absolutely does look like a lost person's hair. It gives an impression of godlessness, a rejection of God's design. It's not right. It's rebellion against God's way, and it makes you look like the sodomite crowd. I agree that the hair is a major put off, but that is not why I'm asking you these questions. She was very taken aback by that answer. How could I say all that? And this is what I told her. I said, the fact that you went to the hair, you brought up your hair. I said, did I, was I staring at your hair? She said, no. I said, did I bring up your hair? She said, no. I said, you brought up your hair. Why are you bringing up your hair? She says, well, well, because I know people judge it. I says, you know, people see it and they don't think of Christ. You know that it's not Christ-like. You know that it's not godly. And yet you do it anyway. And I said, your conscience is what is condemning you, not me. I didn't bring up your hair. And that's the way it is, by the way, with people all around the world. They always think that you're picking at their thing. Why do they think you're picking at it? Because they're already guilty in their conscience about it. That's why. The events that you go to, the friends that you choose, the parties that you go to, and what you do at parties, the festivals you attend, and here's one, get ready, get ready to get really mad at me and hate me and shut this off forever, okay? The business you enter into. Some good Mennonite folks out here that have gotten saved out of a completely legalistic works-based Amish, um, basically, cult where they don't even follow the Bible. They don't believe in salvation through grace through faith in that particular sect. I can't answer for every group, but in that sect, they don't believe in salvation by grace through faith. They don't believe anybody can even know if they're saved, and they have all these extra biblical revelations that they follow, and this family got saved out of that group, and they became Mennonites, and they started a store, and they sell all kinds of wicked things in their store. Whatever comes through, they sell it. And they buy these huge lots, and here comes a dirty book full of dirty stuff. They sell it. And why? Abstain from all appearance of evil. Your business choices matter. We're not getting as far as I wanted to get, as fast as I wanted to get. Lord, help us today. Your business choices matter. You say, I'm a Christian. I own three convenience stores. I supply half our city with liquor and cigarettes and pornographic magazines. What are you doing? abstain from all appearance of evil right that's what the bible says you say i'd lose money if i didn't abstain yeah exactly it will cost you to abstain from all appearance of evil that's part really my whole point many of you out there would say you are so strict i'm not strict at all i'm just telling you what the bible says abstain from all appearance of evil you say, what's wrong with it? And I asked you the question my daddy asked years ago that ruined my whole teenage life. What's right with it? Praise God he was willing to ask the question. What's right with it? What about what you're trying to do glorifies Christ? What about what you are enjoying is bringing honor to Christ? What about your entertainment is magnifying the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing his cause in this earth? What is right with it? Abstain from all appearance of evil. Appearance means if it even looks like evil, Make space between you and it. Oh, this makes perfect sense with a 20,000 volt high electrical line that falls across the road. You're not going to try and drive over it in your car. You're going to go way around it. 
because of the danger that you see that it has. The problem is that you don't see danger in evil. The problem is you don't see danger in sin. You think it's not a big deal and God's just going to gloss it over. You're wrong. It's going to bite like an adder and it's going to destroy you and your family if you keep on playing with that filthy sin. Sin is the transgression of God's law. Evil is all of the consequences and results and outplaying and outworkings of sin, which is transgression of God's law. That can include violence, fornication, divorce, theft, dishonesty, dishonoring to elders, cursing, gossip, slander. There's a big show came out on TV years ago and Christians went wild over it that call themselves Christians watching this show. And the whole point of the show is a man who is a professional liar his whole career is based on pretending to be a psychic that can divine and yet finding clues and solving crimes and the man is a liar the man is shacking up the man is a fornicator he's a liar ask me how i know because i was running with that crowd and watching their shows with them when it came out years ago and god rescued me years ago from that trash and that filth and i thank god for it By the way, when God rescued me and I threw out my video games and I threw out my movies and I threw out my TV shows and I threw out the sports events that I used to love and I threw out all that kind of stuff and started following Jesus, I lost every friend I had on the face of the earth. Every one of them. And I became a reproach to everyone around me. God's given me some new friends, praise the Lord, that love him and that follow him. And I didn't kick them out. They kicked me out. Oh, they won't tell you that that's that story that way, but that's the reality. They drove me from them. They put their hands up in my faces, said, stop talking to me anymore about this. Do not talk to me about this. I don't want to hear it anymore. And they say, why don't you come over to the party? I say, if I come, I'm going to preach to you because I love you. And they say, ah, and then they stop calling. Proverbs chapter three. I'm still not immaculate. I'm still not sinless. I still struggle. And if I give, listen, if I don't abstain from all appearance of evil, that stuff will get its hooks in me. And next thing you know, I'll be rolling in something that would shock you. And it shocks me. And it's, and it's shocking to everybody but God who told us in the Bible to abstain from all appearance of evil. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, forget not my law. We're going to move fast and we're going to run over time. Hang in there. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Chapter 4 and verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep is a word that is used for a military building, a castle from medieval times. The keep was a great fortress that was designed to protect a roadway or the entrance to the palace complex. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. First Peter chapter one, quickly. I'm going to try and get through these verses quickly and still give them the honor that they deserve. First Peter. 
Keep thy heart with all diligence. First Peter here, chapter 1 and verse 14. As obedient children, he says, in verse 13, he says, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Not only does God say, Abstain from all appearance of evil, he says, says, be holy in all manner of conversation, every part of your life, everywhere you go, every entertainment that you enjoy, everything that you do, every song that you listen to, everything must be put up against the measurement of God's holiness. And he says, be holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Chapter two and verse 11. Chapter 2 and verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. That's what you'll be when you abstain, he says. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Go now to 1 Peter 3 and verse 10. 1 Peter 3 and verse 10. He says here, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. I meant to read that from the Proverbs if we didn't. That's a direct quote. It says, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? You'll be harmed if you go get in the middle of that sin with the with those other sinners. But if you stay on the outside and you stay there in your loneliness and reproach and ridicule, who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good. You'll be with God. Look at verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That used to bother me like crazy. God, I can't be ready always. I like my video games. I like my nice books. I like my, I like all my fictional books full of all these stories that the worldlings wrote, full of all the world and everything in it. And I can't be ready always. I've got to have my leisure time. That's a lie. He says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within in you with meekness and fear. God will give you the rest you need. You say, you're a fanatic. You're talking about 100% commitment to Christ. Cricket, cricket, frog croak. Yeah, that's what Jesus told us to do. 100% commitment to Christ every minute, every day, every hour, every night, 365 days a year, seven days out of the week, 24 hours out of the day, 60 minutes out of the hour, 60 seconds out of the minutes. You say nobody can do that. That doesn't mean you shouldn't strive after that with all your heart. God is able to give you the power to do that. 
follow him. He says, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. In chapter four there and verse three, he talks about how they speak evil of you. They think you're strange for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Oh, I don't want anybody to speak evil of me. They think it's strange that you run not with them. They will call you weirdo. They will call you freak. They will call you fanatic. They will think that you're just some kind of crazy guy or some kind of crazy gal when you won't go and play patty cakes with your boyfriend out there in the dark whenever you won't go out there and listen to their dirty music and and listen to music that's edgy and in the gray area. Whenever you won't go play their board games full of all kinds of witchcraft and, and demonism and all the other things that get put into those things. And whenever you won't go and play their video games full of cursing and violence, when you won't go and watch their movies full of adultery and divorce and fornication, when you won't do it, they'll say, what's the matter with you? You're some kind of holy roller. Abstain, the Bible says, from all appearance of evil. Don't stick your nose up in the air. Don't act holier than thou, but abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain. Don't go in for it. Hold fast. 1 John 2, we're nearly done. 1 John 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Verse 28, and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Imagine Christ coming back right as you're at that dirty spot in the movie and you're kind of just kind of turning your head sideways, acting like you're not really watching and, and Christ comes back. The Bible says here, Abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. To do this, you must abstain from all appearance of evil. Do you want Christ to catch you in the act of sin when he comes back? Do you want Christ to catch you looking like you're in sin when he comes back? You call yourself a Christian that should cause fear and trembling in your heart if you're real at all. 1 John 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll close with this text. Go to verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You have before you, you have before you the choice 
affliction with the people of God or the pleasures of sin for a season. I'm not going to lie to you today and tell you that sin is not fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. But it comes with a heavy price tag. The wages of sin is death. The pleasures of sin endure for a season, but the price is greater than anyone can pay. And sin will always take you further and keep you longer and make you pay more than what you thought it would do. The choice before you is pleasures of sin for a season or affliction with the people of God. That is your choice. You say, well, I don't really think I have to make that choice. I think I can Christianize some movie entertainment. I think I can go on some days over to the uh, theme park over there and really just live it up and have a fun time and just kind of stay out of the trouble and stay out of the sin. But every day... More and more, as the day approaches, wickedness and transgression increases, and the opportunity for you to do anything that's even remotely considered fun by normal human beings is waning because of the sin and the wickedness that is encroaching and being added to those things on a daily basis. And as it encroaches, there's less and less fun to do, and that is reality. Look at me up here today. If you're here today, I want to shoot absolutely straight with you. I don't want to lie to you for one minute. You have the pleasures of sin on one hand, fun, fun times, enjoyment, laughter, pleasure, excitement, thrills, chills, all of those things available, cheap and easy, a lot of times free of charge from the world. Satan is offering them. He's happy to dispense them and give them to you. And they're right here to enjoy them. All he asks you to do is to enjoy or allow a little bit of an appearance of evil. And you can flirt with the world and dive in and enjoy some good times. On the other side, you have affliction with the people of God. You have loneliness, you have boredom, you have um, rejection, repulsion, and being laughed at and reproached by people that you love, ridiculed by people that you thought highly of. You have embarrassment, you have lower wages, you have lost job opportunities. You have missed promotions. You have businesses that fail because the world comes against you and hates you and tries to devour you. Those are on one hand. All of those bad things that we would consider evil are over here. And the, what do you do to get all that bad stuff? You obey God and avoid all, abstain from all appearance of evil. If you will do that and abstain from the appearance of evil, you get loneliness and reproach and ridicule. Yippee. On the other hand, if you'll just allow a little bit of evil in your life, are you paying attention today? If you'll just let a little evil, a little appearance of evil, you might not even have to get in the really bad stuff, just a little bit of it. You just let a little bit of those clothes in, a little bit of that hairstyle, a little bit of that music, a little bit of those tendencies, a few of their movies, and you'll go to their events and their festivals and, and enjoy the part you can enjoy and, and just kind of act like you're not really too much of a Christian to get attention and not act like you're too much the world to offend God or so you think. And, you, and for that simple price, you can have all this pleasure. But also what I want you to know is that if you do that, if you choose the world, you will quench the Holy Spirit, which we just preached on. You will quench the Holy Spirit. You'll become useless for God. You'll be ashamed at his coming. And the people that you say that you love and that you are trying to hang out with, allowing appearances of, for evil will burn in hell. And if you're truly saved, they will blame you for eternity.
You say, well, boy, that doesn't sound like a good deal. One side's a cross and death, and the other side's life and happiness. One side is affliction, and the other side is applause. Yeah, that's true on this earth. But there's another life that we're living for. And Moses there, he esteemed he would rather suffer affliction with the people of God. That's our text that we're ending on there than to be, than to enjoy the pleasures for, of sin for a season. Listen to what it says in verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Moses said, get this. Moses was esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures and riches in Egypt. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Moses said, I would rather have the reproach than the treasures. Now we could get all philosophical and say, well, if you live like a Christian, you'll really actually have the best life that you can have in this life because good morality leads to good living and better health and, and more stable finances and blah, 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 blah. Vomit, throw up in my mouth. Sick, stupid, that's a bunch of trash. They're lying to you. If you follow Jesus, you'll get reproach. That's the truth. That's the raw truth. It's going to cost you money, friends, influence, position, power. It's going to cost you everything. But Moses said, I would rather lose everything for Christ than get everything for the world. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. As we're done here, we're wrapped, and just in the closing statement here, all those that enjoy this world and are lost in their sins, and most who love the world are lost in their sins, or they get chastened and busted by God, those who love the world and are lost in their sins will burn in the lake of fire for all of eternity. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt, that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of their sins, turn to God by faith in Christ alone in his death, burial, and resurrection, and are born again by the power of God, you'll suffer in this life. But in the next life, eternal life is yours, and eternal riches with God in heavenly places. And that's ultimately where this choice ends up. If you're looking at the choice in this life, it's a no-brainer. Go sin. And I would be the first one to join you if this life was all there was. That might raise a hair on the back of some of your necks. I would jump in sin with both feet if I didn't know in my heart that there's a judgment coming and there's a heaven to gain and a hell to lose. Living holy is not worth it in this life, no matter how you cut it. But in the next life, it's worth it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Count the cost. Choose your side. Choose up your army. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to follow? You going to follow Jesus? Are you going to follow Jesus? Or are you going to go after the world and all of its treasures? The choice is yours. Father, in Jesus' name, help us, Lord, to choose life, eternal life, through faith in Jesus Christ, to esteem the reproach of Christ greater than all the treasures of Egypt, Father. Help us to abstain from all appearance of evil, knowing that it will cost us to do it, but willing to do it in Jesus' name. Before I finish, I had a little story to tell you, didn't I? And we're over time, but that's okay. You guys on Sermon Audio, you can 
skip it if you want to. Those of you that are here, I'm going to tell the story. So there was a man in Holland. He was a preacher. And he was in Holland preaching. And he lived in Holland, but he was in Amsterdam, I should say, preaching there in the main city. Amsterdam has been famous for a long time for having what they call the red light district, where there's a whole bunch of wicked, 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 wicked prostitutes. And everybody's there is selling immorality for money. And that preacher was walking along, looking at the ancient buildings of Amsterdam. And as he studied the buildings and looked at the ornate um, carvings and things like that on the old, old molding and walked along the street, time got away from him. And it became twilight and evening and the night was beginning to set on. And as he was looking at the buildings and walking about, he suddenly heard uh, someone beckoning him and looked up to see a very wicked, immodest woman beckoning him to come into a house of prostitution to commit sin. Looking up in horror, he looked all around him and he had walked right down into the middle of the red light district. He was right there with houses on both sides of the street, both directions the street went, with wicked women in their nakedness standing around trying to call him in to commit sin. Right there, he found himself where that young, simple man found himself, and evidently that preacher was a little too simple too, and lacked a little bit of understanding too. And right there, he had a choice to make, and he chose God. And this is what it sounded like. Are you ready? I'm not kidding. That's what he did. He screamed at the top of his lungs, threw his hands in the air, and ran down the street as fast as his legs could carry him, screaming with every breath. Ah! Ah! Well, he ran down the street until he cleared that place by blocks. You say, that's embarrassing. He abstained from all appearance of evil. He salvaged his testimony. He brought great honor to the name of Christ. The name of the message today was run away. When there's sin involved, get out. Get away from it. Get back. Get distance. Keep yourself. Thank you, Lord, for this message. Help it to help people in Jesus' name. Amen.